This episode of the Blackstick Global Podcast is sponsored by Blackstick Global Passport. Join aspiring Black expats, expats, and repats, where you can build community, get resources, and gain support along your journey abroad. You're invited to join Blackstick Global Passport. Inside Passport, you'll find exclusive workshops on everything from expat taxes, financial planning, insurance, job boards, accountability check-ins, and more more. You can even take Passport on the go with our app available for iOS and Android devices. Just click the link in the episode you're listening to or visit blacksitglobal.com and click on Passport. See you inside. Will life change crazily if I just surrendered to whatever's happening here? Close your eyes and imagine living a life you love, unapologetic and unbothered free from daily microaggressions from Karens and Kens, free from the fear of police brutality and systemic racism. Wouldn't that feel amazing? Now open your eyes. What if I told you that it's possible? Hear inspiring stories and get the actual blueprints from brothers and sisters of the diaspora who are living out their wildest dreams abroad. You've heard the term, now be inspired by the movement. I'm Krishan Wright, and this is Blacksit Global. Well, welcome to another episode of the Blacksit Global podcast. I am delighted to hold space with my virtual sister friend and fellow podcaster, Christine Job, who is the host of the Flourish in the Foreign podcast. Welcome to Blacksit Global, Christine. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be here and I love everything that you're doing. And as you know, we could talk forever, so this is fun. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm so excited. You have an amazing podcast, Flourish in the Foreign. So for those of you who have not found it, I'm telling you, here it is. Look it up where you're listening to the podcast right now and subscribe because it is fire. And uh, one of the the central themes that that Christine talks about a lot, which resonated with me, is talking about moving abroad as a pathway to wellness. And in this time where we are still reeling from COVID globally with all of the personal and professional pressures that come along with that, you know, I think it's key to think about your wellness and focus on that, but also knowing that even if you make your move abroad during this time, your wellness is really something that impacts and permeates every aspect of your life. So how did you land on that? Oh, my goodness. I think I landed on living abroad as a pathway to wellness because it was just how I experienced my move abroad. I think that's the thing. I was already really into wellness before I I moved to Spain, but I knew that when I moved, I wanted it to mean something. Like I knew I was going to be changing my life and yeah, I was going to be around Spanish all the time. But I was like this is a new chapter in my life. I wanted it to mean something and I was like how where do you derive value? And for me at the time when I was deciding to move to Spain, I was experiencing severe burnout. Now, at the time, I had no idea 
that's what I was experiencing because I didn't have language for it. I'm not even sure if like people were talking about it in 2017. I mean, definitely not black young professionals weren't talking about it because we were all on that grind, grind, grind. So I was experiencing depression and anxiety, yet I didn't have language for it. I was exhausted. I was exhausted overachiever. And I was like, I want to make this move abroad because I've always wanted to live abroad, but I can't just do things just to check them off lists. It can't be an achievement. It can't be like, I'm going to show you I can do it. I can't do that anymore. I, I physically couldn't and I emotionally couldn't do it. So I, I knew that if I was going to be uprooting my life, then it needed to have more meaning, meaning than achievement. It needed to be really based in my wellness. And I think I kind of came to that conclusion, which is saying I'm sick and tired. And when I move, I don't want to be sick and tired. Therefore, I needed to make an assessment of what was making me sick and tired <laughs> in, my, in my life and understand, okay, how much of this is just kind of situational, circumstantial, because I live in America, because I live in Atlanta, that's just how it is, how much of it is me. And that is the game changer because I realized that a lot of it was me. It was a lot of the assumptions that I had. Before I moved to Spain, I actually had a job offer to move to Kuala Lumpur, sight unseen, and it fell through. And I was so embarrassed because I had like a going away party, you know, like all my friends are lawyers with, you know, law school and they're all like, you know, doing it. And here I am being like the scrappy entrepreneur, but I was going to go to Kuala Lumpur. I was going to do something cool. Um, and it fell through and I just felt so much shame and I felt so sad and angry and all these things. And I was just like, did you want to go to Kuala Lumpur because of the job for that adventure? Or were you really trying to impress some people who are entirely overworked and don't care? You know what I mean? Like they don't care. They work 90 hours a week. I had to realize that there was something inside of me that still was competitive or achievement oriented that still needed external validation. And that was really hurting my sense of wellness because what is that? You know, you'll never impress people enough. They will never validate you enough because that's not their job. And everyone is really, you know, kind of self-centered and working, you know, worried about themselves. I had to realize that was what was going on with me. And I needed to find some kind of way to validate myself. I needed a way to be able to measure success in this chapter of my life. And so I was like, well, I don't want to feel like crap. And I want to do what I want to do. I'm a Capricorn. I'm a type A person. Sometimes authority is a struggle for me. But so <laughs> it was like, I need to do things on my own terms. That is what success means to me. And I want to feel good. And so for me, as I navigated moving abroad, those are my guiding lights. Am I feeling good? Am I like doing the things I want to do? As I experienced moving abroad, as you know, people who've lived abroad know, living abroad and traveling abroad are different. You know, it's not Instagram worthy. It's not. It's not cute when you have an appointment to go to immigration 
and yet you're still waiting in line for four hours. Like, wow. you're, not you're not, you're not being like Instagram, you know, immigration office. Like you don't do that because it's not cute. For me, I started realizing that this was my choice. And because it's my choice, even when things were crazy or sucky, I was just, I don't know, I guess reinforced. Like I was just fortified by that choice, but also by my guiding lights. And I knew that I was going in that direction. But I think what was most illuminating and where I really found the wellness was in the dissonance, which a lot of people don't want to talk about. In the dissonance, in the contrast of living abroad is where the wellness actually lies. Meaning when you feel that discomfort of why are things closed for siesta and you said you're going to open up at six and you're not, it's 7.30 and you haven't opened up, right? What's going on? That is actually where the wellness lies because in that moment, if you have surrendered to this experience and if you surrender to your bigger vision for your life, you have an opportunity to take a breath. You can be angry, that's fine. But you get to take a breath. You get to pause and you get to say, what am I really upset about? I'm upset that I'm in a different country and they are not living up to my expectations. My expectations are rooted in a different country. I'm now being given this beautiful choice, this choice of, well, do I really believe where I'm from and how I've been programmed is the end all be all the best way, or is it just familiar? Mm. And will life change crazily if I just surrendered to whatever is happening here? When you start seeing the choices for life in this way, then that's actually, that's when you get to embrace wellness. Because for me, wellness is that cultivation of a life well-lived on your own terms, which can only happen when you're radically present to your life, which is what living abroad does for you. Because your eyes will be wide open for at least a whole year, trying not to get run over, trying to figure <laughs> out what's happening, what's going on, trying to read or hear things. You're like, Say that again. I don't, what did you say? I thought I spoke this language. I don't. That's the gift. You know, that's the gift. The gift is not you get off a plane and it's Shangri-La, like, and everyone is waiting for you. Oh, we're waiting for you. Let's take care of you. Throwing flowers, like coming to America. (laughs) Exactly, right? We're going to heal you. We're going to make your life better. No. The gift is in literally having choice smacked upside your head every single day. But you have to be aware and present to that choice because it's easy to be like, this place sucks, every place sucks. Or and it's easier to say, I never thought about it that way. I can thrive in a completely different way. I have different choices to make. That's the pathway to wellness. That That is what living abroad does. And it affects you financially, professionally, mentally, emotionally, physically, just by just enhancing and, and really showcasing this choice that we have. Now, of course, we have choices at home, but, you know, we've been indoctrinated and we're comfortable, right? We're comfortable zombies. Yes, so you got that right a thousand percent. <laughs> That is why I'm passionate about living abroad as a pathway to wellness. And I think people are always surprised when I explain that because it isn't like, 
you know, it's just, just move to Thailand. It's great. Like, no, it's, it's more work, but it's worth it. Right. Cause it's your life. You want to get your hands dirty in the cultivation of your own life. Exactly. And it's just this like constant ability to refill your cup, because to your point, you're constantly being, you know, introduced to different stimuli and just how are you going to react and respond and just being able to, to be still. And I love what you said about making an intentional decision about how you want to react or respond and being able to co-create, you know, what your life is going to look like gives you a sense of control, a sense of confidence and agency around your life. And so I love, I love what you just said. So is that what allowed you or gave you the idea to name your podcast Flourish in the Foreign? Yes, I wanted, well, a couple of things, right? I wanted to showcase Black women living abroad, but the Black women I I was encountering were just making it look so great, as Black women do in every space. They just make everything look so good. You're just like, okay. Black girl magic. (laughs) Basically. But I wanted to take it a step further. I didn't necessarily want to be like, Black women live abroad. I wanted to really lean into this life well lived, flourish. I wanted to, you know, invoke, you know, images of verdant scenery and plants, right? Especially plants that can literally be uprooted from one place, planted somewhere else and still just be beautiful and just leaves and flowers, you know, basking in the sun, because that's what I was seeing. I was not seeing Black women struggling I was seeing Black women doing the damn thing and speaking multiple languages and making it look very, very easy, um, no matter how true or not that might be. And I just wanted to uplift that. I wanted to showcase our voices and I wanted to create a platform of Black women-centered space stories told by us because we're not a monolith. So we have so many ranging experiences because I also showcase Black women from across the diaspora, different ideas of what flourishing means to them, what wellness means to them. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to create this kind of oasis, something that I wish existed when I was 20 and 22 when I first was like, I want to move abroad. And then again, when I was like 26, I was like, how do I actually move abroad? And then finally, <laughs> when I moved abroad, when I was 30, and I was like, I don't know, let's just do it. You know, I wanted to create something that sounded like almost as if the listener and I and the guests were kind of having a conversation, a little bit of that, curl up with like some tea and just feel cozy and feel maybe informed, but also sometimes scandalized because some of the stories are very, you know, interesting, (laughs) you know, and some of them are hilarious and some of them are so sad. I just wanted something for us, by us. We'll be right back. Moving is right up there with death and divorce in the Stress Olympics. 
But fear not. Turn that box of woes into a crate of woes with moving tips in the Life Beyond Boxes podcast with Premium Q Moving. Dive into the world of hassle-free moves, learn tips and tricks to save on cash and your sanity. Say goodbye to those moving meltdowns and hello to the smooth sailings. Or should we say smooth movings? Tune into Life Beyond Boxes with Premium Q Moving on lifebeyondboxes.com or find us on your favorite podcast platform. And with us, unpack the secrets to a stress-free move. For sure, for sure. So let's probe on that for a little bit. So you were talking about different topics on your show, you know, ranging from wellness all the way to, you know, scandalous. So one of the ones that I listened to most recently, I loved, were was the focus on dating abroad. And you were able to really like highlight so many of your different guests and their perspectives and their encounters. And so I took a lot away from that episode. Highly encourage one, everyone to listen to it, but two, (laughs) for you to do more of that because it's just so unique. I find on this show, I have usually only probed the males on that issue, primarily because women always get asked about their love life. But it's so refreshing to, to even dabble in and dare talk about it because, I mean, it's something that we all think about it, whether we admit it or not. <laughs> so how, how has been, you know, either your experience or what have you learned most from your guests that have shared about their experience, their dating experiences abroad? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Dating abroad. Now, the funny thing is, is that I hate being asked that question, which is why I ask all my guests that question. And they, they're like, oh, okay, well, I answer it. And that compilation is going to be a continuous series. That is oh, that's a awesome. Because I have so many more coming that are going to, it's going to scandalize people. But, you know, this is what it is. I would say what I liked about asking people that question is because just like Black identity is so unique to each person, dating is. And I think as Black women, how we perceive ourselves and how we are perceived and received in different spaces, I mean, it's just without a doubt does affect how we feel about dating and how we date. If I'll take, for example, the country of Italy, and I'll just be very general. And so, you know, y'all fight me if you want to, but I'll be very general about it. Because I've had actually several guests, I think they're coming up, talk about, you know, dating as a Black woman in Italy. Oh, Italian men love Black women and all this stuff. I've also had a guest on the on the show who was like, not so much. She's like, I've lived in Italy for like two years. And like, especially the Northern Italians, no. And mm, it was a little bit weird and strange. And personally... I'm I'm not a huge fan of Italy uh, because every time I go to Italy and I've been many times north in Tuscany and in Sicily and the south, I feel I get a lot of attention and I get what I feel aggressive kind of leering kind of attention. Mm. And I don't like that. I don't like that. Don't be looking at me too hard. Don't be too, don't, don't, no, Mm-mm. I don't like that. So for me, asking that question is not like a blanket statement of like, go to Italy if you want a man, go to Kenya if you want a man. 
it really is about showcasing our different tastes and our preferences and what we think about dating. I'm obviously, I'm an introvert. So I'm like, I don't want you to, don't, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be flattering, but I don't know you. Whereas, you know, other women are like, I want to be, you know, they, they perceive it as this great adoration. And because that's how they perceive, that's how it is. That's just how it is. So dating abroad, I think, is, is fascinating. It's so fascinating to hear everyone's perspectives. I actually have a guest that's coming up. She has her whole theory for Black women dating around the world. Yes, it's based upon your complexion and your body type. And she's like, if you like this and you look like this, you should go here in this country. This very interesting. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know how much I'm like, yes, because I don't know, because I, I haven't been to all these places. But I think that's interesting that you can possibly uh, tap into, I guess, you know, regional uh, standards of beauty. If in this country, full figured, darker skinned women are what is the thing, then it does make sense that, you know, maybe you want to go here or I don't know how scientific it is, but it's interesting. <laughs> and I, and I, I will say, like, I think that with dating, no matter where you are around the world, it is a matter of the energy you bring to it. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of the women who are having fun with dating are just having fun. Like, they just are like, yep, this is easy. This is whatever. And a lot of them that are not having fun have energy, no matter, maybe it's the experience or maybe it's expectation, they're not having fun, <laughs> and, you know? And sometimes you gotta take a pause, take a pause for it. But it's it's so, I mean, we could talk about dating abroad so much, especially <laughs> as black women, that it, like being fetishized. Some people like it and some people don't, which is also interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, whether it, we're talking about, you know, real genuine, relationships and connection and attraction and what that means. And that could be the spectrum of being fetishized or being perceived as being fetishized or not. And then along that line is even internal perceptions around oneself yes. and bringing that into and having that be factored into your dating life, you know, whether it's perceptions about you as an individual or assumptions or perceptions about your blackness, I think also is uh, something that we carry when we move abroad and just thinking about the Blacks of Global community and, and some of the conversations, it's it's usually, you know, people ask, well, what's it like to be black, you know, insert a country here. And there is no one size fits all because to your point, we're, we're not a monolith. But, you know, one of the things that I think is really important to kind of factor in is that, you know, your journey is different, being mindful of the work. And that's the whole thing that we kind of try and reinforce really in the community is whether you're talking about dating abroad, moving abroad, starting a business abroad, mindset and being able to check that. And that's a constant is something that I think is the ultimate gift because it brings, at least in my mind, this elevated level of awareness that to your earlier point about existing in the familiar 
I think it's very easy to kind of default and just tune everything out just because, you know, there's some level of predictability, familiarity. And so it's just like, eh, 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 go along to get along. But when you're thrust in an entirely new environment, either someone who's journeyed abroad like yourself or somebody like me who has yet to do so, being able to check in and tap into that mindset and preparation and constantly revisiting, you know, how am I showing up here? Whether I'm showing up here as an individual, here on a stage, here serving my community, what does that feel like? And how it how is that energy, you know, and I, I kind of I, I always go back to that quote from Jill Bolte Taylor, be responsible for the energy you bring into this space because it's so important and it can really change your life. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's so it's such a complicated matter because I think as Black Americans, I'll speak specifically, we are rightfully suspicious of people. And so when you go abroad in certain spaces, we will interpret certain actions and we'll equate it to, to being back home when, when it may not be the same. You know, it just may not literally be the same. And we're trying to do so in a way that we protect ourselves and suss out everyone. It's a lot of unpacking to do. I was also, I think I saw like a Facebook thread somewhere where a woman kind of, a Black woman, she was just like, why is it that so many Black women have a problem being fetishized abroad? And she said, you know, how many of these quote-unquote foreign, exotic women come into the United States and are glorified and put on the pedestal on, you know, all around music and whatever, and they lean into it. They're like, yeah, I'm foreign. I'm like, what does that mean? You're foreign. You're exotic. You know what I mean? And she's like, why don't we just lean into that? Because no matter where you are, when you're not of the local population, you are foreign. You can go onto the continent of Africa, and I have several episodes about this, and people are still like, you're foreign. You're not from here. And, you know, and people get their feelings hurt. That's a whole nother conversation about Black identity. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is something to think about. I can't say I would ever lean into being fetishized because I just don't like that. But I think it's interesting. Um, I think it, it goes to your kind of point about mindset. And some people are like, I am different. I stand out. There's not that many Black women in Hungary or wherever. So, of course, I'm being, I stand out. And because I look different, I'm, I attract different men or whatever, whatever. I don't know. It's so complicated. But I also it feel is. like have an intention. Know what your intention and your standards are. Your standards should never deviate no matter where you date just like no and then you know have fun test it and then you know if you're not having fun stop for yeah. a minute <laughs> take take a breather think it over yeah think about think about how it could be different and you know what if it's not for you it's it's not for you yeah but I think also you know I've had some other guests because I like to ask people like where do you see yourself in the foreseeable future I've had several women tell me Oh, I'm not going to stay here because wherever they are, I want to have a black husband and there ain't no black men here. And I want some brown babies. Like that is 
priority number one. Mm -hmm. So I think people have to be super honest about what they're wanting. If that is important to you, if you need to have and you desire to have a black husband and you are wanting that in the next, I don't know, two to three years, would I suggest you move to Barcelona? No. Like, I would not suggest you do that. I'm being for real. Like You're saving many a woman who had that on their list. And they're like, oh, thanks, Christine. And, and Barcelona is a cosmopolitan international city. Are there Black men here? Yes. But I, I listen to my podcast, I guess. But like, they're, they're, I already know the answer. I'm not going to say a word. So if that's a priority, going back to being intentional and and your wellness, emotional wellness, if partnering is just a priority for you in this season in your life and when and it's part of, I guess, one of the foundational values you're taking with you when you go abroad, then you need to be honest with yourself. Are there that many Black men in Thailand? So you may want to be going to Thailand. It's going to be so cheap that, 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 but I don't know. I don't know. You may want to bring your know, boo. <laughs> Find your boo and then bring them to Thailand. <laughs> you might. You might. Or you may need to be more strategic and decide I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there because that's part of your wellness. You may be enjoying, you know, living in Thailand because it's beautiful and it is so, so affordable. But if that's going to be important to you, you're never going to be happy and you're setting yourself up for failure and you'll be mad at Thailand when Thailand was like, we never guaranteed you your black husband. We didn't guarantee that. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from what you said is being really clear on your reasons why, like all the way open, not, oh, I want to move because it's more affordable or because I want to find a black husband or, you know. It just be really clear, like these are all, even if it's a laundry list, these are all of the reasons why I want to move abroad. These are all the things that I'm looking for from my next move and break it down to different sectors and aspects of your life. And then this way you can really assess, you know, is this the right move for me? And even if you are there and things aren't materializing, you can revisit that list and say, okay, now this is not really measuring up and you can really make a clear intentional decision about where you might want to journey next and you know one of the things that i think the community does well is they say wherever you start isn't where you're going to end up you also don't have to stay abroad you can always journey back to your home country whether it be the us canada jamaica wherever and so i think you know, for for our community, it's really important to just kind of reinforce that because I think it takes some of the the trepidation, some of the fear, some of the anxiety out of the equation. But one of the things that I think I would love to to kind of talk about a little bit is, you know, for you, you, you mentioned earlier that you're an attorney, and yet when you're in Barcelona your business is you're an entrepreneur and you're not practicing. Interestingly enough, can being an attorney and wellness exist the same abroad? Because I, I feel like they may run counter, but I don't want to you know, impose my own assumptions. This is hilarious because I was just on a clubhouse talk with uh, last night with a a peer of mine from law school, which was hilarious. It was so great. And hearing 
lawyers talk about wellness still in their very stupid way was like very hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, guys, yeah. I think I'm I'm a little bit unique because I mean I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in the startup space and an entrepreneur ever since I graduated from law school. Like two weeks out of law school, I was on a business trade mission to Namibia and South Africa with a with a startup. So I have a completely kind of different way of seeing the world, especially coupling it with my legal education and even my professional experience. I think you can definitely be an attorney and find wellness, I think that, oh, you have to be intentional. But even more than that, I think that American legal culture is like hand in hand with toxic grind culture. And to extricate yourself from that also has a feeling and maybe it even has the the subsequent results of extricating yourself from certain achievements or a certain sense of identity, maybe even a certain part of status that attorneys enjoy. I think that there are plenty probably of attorneys that enjoy wellness and know how to infuse it and balance it in their lives. For me, I was already on the road to entrepreneurship. I was already wanting to really make something of my own. So for me, wellness was learning how to take a step back from toxic grind culture altogether. I'd already taken a step back from like achievements and 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 necessarily being um, like a, a shining star or predictable where everyone's like, yep, that's what you should do. And when I was like, oh, I'm going to join a startup, they're like, no, don't do that. Mm-mm, no, mm-mm. You know, I'm going to start my own business. What are you talking about? I'm going to produce a music festival that's all about spirituality. And they were like, you're crazy. And I think you need to be, you know, admitted. I was already kind of away from that, but I still had that churn. I I guess that's the best way to call it. Like churn, that go, go, go. That sense of laziness if I'm not working and not only working, but producing from the time my eyes open to the time my eyes close. That has been actually the hardest thing to deprogram from, to be honest. Even living in Spain, a culture where they're just like, they know nothing like that. I don't think there's anything even close to being equivalent to that. And they could fight me about that too, because I'm like, where? Where? <laughs> where? Not even the banks. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. There's nothing like that here. So you don't have societal or peer pressure to be like, oh, you just just not doing work, like you don't got a job, you know, stuff like that. It's just such a weird kind of insidiousness, right? Mm-hmm. It's inside of you. So you're like, I should be working. I know it's, I know, I know it's like a, a festival and everyone else is just like chilling today, but I got to work. Like I got to do this because I can still, you know, with the internet, I still see everyone else working and doing and achieving. And there's always ideas and stuff like that. So for me, it has been even more intentional because then it's like, well, it's once again, realizing that you bring yourself wherever you go. So I have to look myself in the eye and say, well, it wasn't toxic grind culture America. Okay. It's you, it's you and how you perceive your worthiness. Am I that great? Am I a good person? (laughs) If I'm not 
working this hard, it's not necessarily anyone else because, you know, Spanish people are just like, what do you mean you have to work? Even other expats are like, what do you mean, Christine? <laughs> We're having lunch. What are you talking about? What are you talking? Okay, but tonight though, right? Like, oh, no, because sometimes I work Eastern Standard Time. So I don't, they're like, no. So it's me. It's me. And then I had to say, why won't I give myself approval? Why won't I give myself approval? Why I, I changed my entire life. Why won't I give myself this approval? And that has been such an amazing path for me mm. of saying, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to commit to. And this is the thing also about wellness. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not. It's not easy. It's not easy to deprogram or to rest or to take siesta. I'm a horrible napper. If I say I'm going to take a nap, I will not nap. If I like pass out just from like, well, I'm tired. Okay, then that's a nap. But like intentional, I'm still really bad at it. It has been forced. I have to force myself to enjoy the life that I have created for myself. That's been interesting to notice. I think especially in 2021, when, you know, last year was just crazy and weird and things are a little bit loose. I wake up and I'm like, oh, I need to do this work. And I'm like, no. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do some yoga, tidy up. I'm going to go on a walk. And because like all the gyms have been closed for like, it seems like months, I go on these long two hour walks, listening to podcasts, thinking about life. And I go to the beach and I get my vitamin D, you know, because that's supposed to help with coronavirus. I don't know. It's something I read on the internet. I don't know. I, I literally put myself first and then I come back, I eat lunch. And then I'm like, yes, let's do it. But I think that if you think that just moving to Mexico is going to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm more relaxed and everything. That's the difference between vacation and living. I try mm -hmm. to emphasize that on vacation. Yeah, my ties keep them coming. But what do you do when you are building a life for yourself and you have to decide which bricks do I put into this life? And you have to look at yourself and know that if I'm really trying to create a life of ease, a life that is sustainable, it makes me feel good. And that doesn't necessarily mean lounging all day, but like working on things that I like, but doing it in a sustainable manner, I'm going to actually have to change who I am, period. If you weren't that person in the United States, moving to a different place doesn't change you. You actually have to do the work of changing. The environment doesn't necessarily change you. You know, maybe it would be different if I, was, if I was working in a Spanish firm. I wouldn't work in a Spanish firm personally, but like maybe that would help. But I think it's so important to realize and for people to know that you're going to have to be a, a participant in your life, an active participant in your life, no matter where you go. And again, that's the beauty of moving abroad, though, because you're forced to really be an active participant in your life, to get the things that you like figure out where do they sell things. In Georgia, they sold everything in the Kroger. Now, abroad, there's no one-stop shopping. And then you have to think like, <laughs> do I really need that? Because then I got to go to these other stores, try to explain to them what I'm talking about. Google Translate, it's not cutting it. It's not, that's not the word because they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And then I got to see if that's the store. They're like all these different things, you know, like you have to be an active participant. And sometimes that is recognizing that I might be sabotaging myself or I might be still conditioned to believe certain things about myself. 
that no one is holding a gun up to my head about. I'm choosing this. So how do I choose differently? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it, it just boils down to choice, intentionality, and I love what you said, being an active participant and not passive because it's easy to, to default to, to lower frequency. And I think moving abroad is all about elevation, reaching a higher level of yourself because you're taking yourself out of an environment and you're thrusting yourself in a new environment, which just automatically forces you to just think, move, and you know even behave <laughs> differently. So that is fantastic. So Christine, as we close... Where can people find you? Yes, definitely check out my podcast, Flourish in the Foreign. You can find it across all major platforms, but also go to the website, www.flourishintheforeign.com. I have resources that will help you flourish abroad because that's the whole thing. It's about thriving abroad. It's not about getting abroad, it's about thriving abroad. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Flourish Foreign. And check out the YouTube channel, Flourish the Foreign, in the search bar and you'll find it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this was such a great honor to have you on the show. I mean, we could just talk all day, but you know what? I reserve the right to have you back as a guest. Yes, 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 for sure. So much. There's just so much that you're doing that's amazing you know, for yourself, your brand and in the broader community. And so, you know, we can tackle additional topics. And I know that this episode will resonate with so many. And so I'm just feeling very grateful for your time today. Oh, thank you so much just for inviting me and having me. And again, I will be on this podcast as many times as you like, because I love talking to you. (laughs) Likewise, likewise. Thank you for listening to the Blacksit Global Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to visit our website at blacksitglobal.com. Has this episode left you feeling inspired to begin your journey, but not quite sure where to start? Download our free guide with the top five questions you need to ask before planning your Blacksit. You can find that under the resources tab of our website. Remember, it's not only possible to live out your dreams unbothered and in full color, it is your birthright. Are you trying to sort out health plans, banking, VPN, and other connectivity for your move abroad? Well, have no fear. We've got you with the Move Abroad Starter Kit. Get yours today at blacksitglobal.com resources. That's blacksitglobal.com resources.